This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He plays. Oh, he's the one. The Red Raiders. He up the 10. Puts it up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first. Welcome to Republic of Football. I'm your host, college editor, Mishman Johnson, here in studio with our new college writer, Carter Yates. Carter, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing really good today. Yeah, we're, we're finally back in AC yes. after... Uh, a fun weekend, let's just say that, in College Station. Oh, it was a great weekend. And then it was also great coming back on Monday and it being just as hot with no AC in the building. It was a welcome back from College Station and then bam! <laughs> no AC. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we get into that, uh, let's introduce our producer, his favorite Mal pal, Mallory Hartley. Mallory, hi. Hello, hello. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, yeah, we, we, had some, we had some fun, as usual, in College Station. Um, fun. A lot of heat. A lot of technical issues that the Texan live team was really, really good at navigating and a lot of impromptu plans. Um, Of course, we had plans to stream the whole event. A lot of things out of our control, kind of limited debt. We were able to stream the last day of the event in whole, which is really nice. Obviously, saw the championship games, all that stuff. Um, and then we came back on Monday to like a building with like half AC working. <laughs> so we were like, oh yeah, let, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. Let's go back in nice, cool air. And then we're like, oh, we can't breathe in here either. Just trying to get out of the heat, man. <laughs> I don't know trying. why that's too much to ask, but we're just trying to get out of the heat just for all trying, week. Just trying to get out of the heat in Texas. You know, the air conditioning is working now. So yes, we're all we're not recording this, it dying. Is I actually have my blanket on because it's a little chilly in the studio. But. I was about to say, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's been, yeah, it's, it's been better. Um, <laughs> so yeah. It's been a it's been a hectic last uh, I say seven ish days because this time last week we were all headed down to College Station, um, but genuinely like as far as the event goes, you know, taking out all the weird technical stuff like the event itself, I do enjoy going to, mm-hmm. um, watching the games, watching prospects. Carter, this is your first experience there. Uh, just kind of for the listeners at home who maybe don't listen to TFT and kind of don't know enough about state seven on seven, you know, what were kind of, what was kind of your experience, uh, your first time there? Well, I kind of went into it really not knowing what to expect. And I was, you know, very impressed by just how many teams like were out there and how many people made the journey. It really like turned college station into almost like, you know, college station doesn't have much going on, mm-hmm. you know, not in school, school semesters but the town was really taken over by texas high school football and it was really cool to see also a lot of great prospects uh, out there and the games were extremely extremely competitive which Mm -hmm. is something i almost i was kind of expecting because i had watched it last year while cutting highlights and you know you could tell how hard the teams were trying on the video but like i didn't know how much the parents were getting into it and stuff like that sometimes too much Mm -hmm. but it was uh it was really cool to see kind of like got you ready almost for the fall like well i can't that was a little taste i can't wait for the real thing yeah like that that's you know as far as college is concerned obviously from the high school side you get to see a lot of these skill position players and kind of like get to learn 
obviously, you know, I'm not somebody who thinks you can take everything from seven on seven. Obviously, there's no offensive line. There's no hitting, things like that. But you can look at a team's skill position. You can look at their quarterback talent and say, oh, they're probably a team to keep an eye on, um, especially how they handle seven on seven. And from our perspective, we kind of handled it from a recruiting perspective. It was a lot of chances to see these guys in person. Mm -hmm. I know you'd seen Micah Hudson Carter before at at a seven on seven circuit. I hadn't. And so it was my chance to see him. Um, You talked to guys like Ty Hawkins from San Antonio Johnson, who recently was a TCU commit. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a little bit um, because this past couple weeks has been kind of a really big and kind of unexpected kind of recruiting boom for mm-hmm. a bit. Um, a lot of commits are going down in the past couple weeks. Uh, talked to Greg Powers, our recruiting um, recruiting coordinator, kind of about that. And yeah, it was kind of uh, as far as like having everybody there at once. It was kind of that for our first time to be able to do that. Usually, in previous years, it'd been there'd been some conflicts with like the opening with Nike and like a bunch of other events going on. Now it's kind of like the only event, unless they're taking like an official visit somewhere. A lot of these prospects don't have another event to go to. So they are able to come. We're able to see Micah Hudson, DJ Lagway. Uh, We mentioned Ty Hawkins for class 2025. Um, So yeah, I do enjoy seeing it. It's, it's, as far as like especially receivers and quarterbacks go, it's a really cool chance. Corners, it's mm-hmm. a really cool chance to see those prospects like really just show their like their pure footwork and their skill, right? There's no, you know, there's no chance to like uh, do, you know, like a, a, a and sometimes you see with def- defensive backs, uh, yeah, they got they get to see in the real life game how much they can get away with pass interference wise. There's really no chance to do that, right? You're not there's nothing to grab onto. There's nothing to kind of jam a wide receiver. It's all about your feet. It's all about your positioning, and so it's a chance to see something different as far as that's concerned. Um, so that's what I always get out of it. It's enough to like take a little kernel into the fall, right? You don't want to take too much from it, but it, it is like you mentioned. It is football. It is competing against somebody else <laughs> for the first time in a long time, and you see a lot of competitive edge. That's out. what I wanted to talk about because there are some guys who are high-profile recruits who you go out and you're wondering, like, how seriously are they going to take this? Yeah. You know, it is not – it's not going on your win-loss record. There's a lot of stuff going on for you right now. But you could tell some guys when they get out there and they just get competitive mm-hmm. and you know, their team goes down by one or two scores and they're still out ready to come out firing and, like, they're not going to – they're not wanting to lose this game, even if it is just seven on seven. And then there's some guys who you see out there who you can kind of tell they're not taking it as seriously mm-hmm. and stuff sure, like that. Sure. So that's something I always kind of store away in the back of my mind is like at least seeing these guys for the first time. Like what kind of leader are you on your team? Like what kind of drive are you bringing to these games? Because it is very easy to kind of just go through the motions out there. Mm-hmm. 100%. I also think another underrated part of 7-on-7 seven seven is like seeing the actual football coaches on the sidelines, like trying so hard yeah. to contain themselves because they're not, oh, for those yeah. of you that don't know, the actual football coaches are not allowed to coach their 7-on-7 seven seven team. It has to be like a, a dad of a parent or somebody else other than an actual coach of that team. So seeing them trying to contain themselves on the sideline after like a Either a really good play or just a horrendous play is yes. so fun to watch. Yeah, so yeah, for, for those of you that don't know, you know, the the way this is different than other seven on seven circuits, right? This is organized by either current or former high school coaches or athletic directors, mm-hmm. but they don't have input as far as organizing the teams, as far as coaching the teams. It's all hands off because of course UIL, there there's uh, uh, rules against uh, certain time al- time allowed for practice, things like that. So these are all volunteer coaches. There are players who play together in the fall. So like when you see Lake Travis, it is Lake Travis players, things like that. 
Um, but yeah, coaches are not allowed to coach the team. So, you know, they'll be in they're 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 pus- they're put in the end zone basically mm-hmm. behind the end zone. And so you see both opposing head coaches set up in the end zone, sometimes set up on the sideline, and they can only like yell like a parent yells, right? Yeah. They can only they can only yell like, Hey, that's your man or whatever, but it's like they're the not allowed to coach. Ob- yeah, their players aren't obligated to listen to them because they have their more often than not, they're calling their own plays. They're up mm-hmm. there listening to, you know, if it's a former player that's coaching them, they're listening to them. Um, usually the only times that coaches will talk to their players is after a game, right? Mm-hmm. They'll like kind of rally them together or things like that. Um, if some, if, if there's like a dust up or something, which isn't uh, uncommon, they'll have to like, Hey, they'll calm them down and like, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, that's not us. We, we, we saw that a couple times. Um, but yeah. And by the way, if you are interested in this event, uh, the games that we were able to stream on Texan Live, they're still up. Mm-hmm. So if you're curious just about a lot of the a lot of the prospects, go see which games we were able to stream. We were able to stream both uh, or all three championships, um, and you were able to. All you, all you need is an email registration, correct? I yes. believe. So yes, it is free on Texan Live right now. Um, Trevor, Gavin, Chase, all those guys who called games did an incredible job. Um, and of course, like I said, the whole Texan Live team did with the logistical issues that we had. Um, but of course, we have a lot of content as well. Mm-hmm. Before we get into all that, because that does segue into kind of our, our, la- our one of our big topics for today, which is kind of the recruiting trend of commits coming around this time slash creeping into the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. There was some a little bit of sad news that dropped when we were out there. Um, of course, Terry Price, longtime Texas A&M defensive line coach, lifelong Aggie, played for the Wrecking Crew, played under R.C. Slocum and Jackie Sherrill. He passed away, um, and the news broke. I, I, I think the school announced it um, on the 23rd when we were out there, and just kind of like, in the chaos of everything, it was just kind of like, wait, did you, did you guys see that? It was like, it was mm-hmm. like, a, it was one of those moments where it was like, we didn't have much that good a self service anyway. So like, when we were able to look at our phones, we were kind of uploading highlights and things like that, and then like as we were passing each other in golf carts going to the fields and all that, we're like, Hey, by the way, did you guys see this? And like, it was, it was a very surreal thing. Um, especially being in, you know, being in college station too. Hell, like I mentioned him being a lifelong Aggie, I believe the battalion, uh, for, for A&M, their, their, their student newspaper confirmed that it was stage four cancer that oh, he had gosh. been battling, which goes to show you he'd been recruiting, mm-hmm. right? He had been coaching still going through all of that. He was 55 years old. Um, or sorry, he confirmed to KBTX, I should say, the news station down there, um, that it was stage four cancer that he had been battling. I mean, this is a guy who, for everything that is controversial about AM, everything you hear about Jimbo and now Petrino and whatever, he was somebody who was like above that, right? Mm-hmm. He was somebody who anybody you talked to on the recruiting trail, anybody you talked to about so and so was like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of this guy, this guy, this guy. It was like universally. Terry Price, love that guy. Everybody who I know in the recruiting industry was like, Terry Price is the nicest guy, right? And I think his resume speaks for itself, too, right? Guys like Miles Garrett, Dalen Mack, Justin Matabuke, right? Just constantly pumping out. He played a big role in getting guys like Shamar Stewart there, right? He played a big role in bringing all – there's a reason why every time we talk about A&M, it's like, yeah, secondary is a little sketch or, you know, a mm-hmm. little inexperienced. Uh, linebacking core maybe not defensive line they're fine yeah like, uh, that defensive line is gonna best. be good you, you, yeah, no matter right. what you know and that's if you go on twitter right now you look up anybody that played on the defense anybody that played on the defensive line they all have like a paragraph worth to say about terry price yeah and it was that one of those things where 
like you're saying, Ish, we're, we're going around at College Station during the fields and showing each other on our phones, like, hey, did you see this news? And everyone's like, just had the same reaction. It was mm-hmm. like, damn, like, yeah. that really, that really stinks. And, you know, he was a guy who, like you said, was A&M through and through, played, coached, sons just graduated mm-hmm. from Texas A&M. Uh, I actually went over when, when I knew we were going to talk about it today, I went over to our magazine wall mm-hmm. and pulled out the 1985 Dave Campbell's magazine because mm-hmm. he played at Plano. And I, I found a, a blurb about Plano in there. It says, on defense, opponents will find tough sledding once they bump into tackles. Terry Price, Reggie Howard, and, and Don Hurry. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on the star-spangled Price. He could rank with one of the best in the state. Man. And he did that. He went to play at Texas A&M, won two Southwest Conference championships, was an all-Southwest conference as a senior. And, and Craven, I saw in his piece, he led A&M with tackles and all the defensive line his junior and senior year. Also, uh, he was a damn good barbecuer. He was a damn – he would man the smoker uh, at Texas A&M recruitment pool parties uh, every July. I love so, that. <laughs> that he was, a, he was a Texas man through and through. Yeah, he played for A&M, I mentioned, through the wrecking crew years, 86 mm-hmm. through 89. Uh, assistant coach from 92 to 93. And then he, I believe he went to Ole Miss and Auburn for a bit. And then he was there at a and He's been at A&M for the past – or he was at A&M for the last 11 seasons since 2012, which I believe was Sumlin's uh, first year. Um, or first or second year, I couldn't remember. But uh, Miles Garrett on Twitter had this really nice um, piece about him. It's, uh, I truly cannot express the impact this man made in my life, not only as an athlete, but more importantly as a man, brother and son. From his commitment to God to grilling, there you go, and mentorship, he embodied everything as a, a great man should be. My family and I will mi- always miss his presence. So, you know, again, a very hearty rest in peace from us here, Dave Campbell's, to Terry Price and them and their family. Um, yeah, I mean, again, a universally beloved figure from a program that always, you know, has its is polarizing at times, right? They have a polarizing head coach right now, but like I mentioned, somebody who was always there, kind of as a positive mm-hmm. presence, is uh, and their reputation was Terry Price. Um, this one wasn't on the on the rundown, but a little bit more of a. Unfortunate news came down with Ryan Mallett, uh, Texas yeah. high product. Uh, obviously went to committed to Michigan, then eventually went to uh, Arkansas, where he was a uh, kind of researched his career. Uh, came to the Texans as well, started a couple games, but yeah, DCTF cover boy too. Yeah, DCTF cover boy along with GJ Kinney and mm-hmm. Jarrett Lee, I believe. Yeah. I gotta remember who else on that cover. And er, Joshua Childs. Yes, yes, Childs, and then uh, with Earl Campbell mm-hmm. was on that cover. So yeah, that was. Another unfortunate one. He was actually a coach in Florida. He actually drowned. It was actually a really unfortunate situation there. Um, so yeah, Ryan Mallet, former five-star recruit out of to, out of uh, Texarkana, um, that was kind of another uh, uh, blow for them. Of obviously Arkansas, we cover a lot of them anyway because mm-hmm. they're kind of in that Arklatech region. Um, and so we obviously not him, not just him being a native Texan, but him playing for the Razorbacks as well. I believe under, I think that was Brett Bielema. I think Ooh. was a. Or no, it was Bobby Petrino. It was Bobby Petrino. You're right. Those teams were really fun. Yeah, no, those. Yes, I do remember those teams, and he was a big part of that. So, yeah. I mean, Um, for me, that was one of like kind of my first memories of watching like college football intently, or is watching Ryan Mallett Arkansas teams. Yeah. Uh, you just had such a competitive fire. It was a great player. One of the strongest arms you'll ever see. Yeah, one of the strongest (laughs) arms you'll ever see, and um, it was actually a high school coach up in Arkansas, right? Uh, Florida. Florida. Yeah, Yeah, he was a high school coach in Florida. Uh, at the time of his passing yesterday, so re- yeah, really sad news. Yep. He was a he was a great player, a great person. Hundred percent. All right, so I mentioned a little bit about some of the recruiting news that came down. Um, obviously, seven on seven 
we we were kind of in recruiting mode because <laughs> uh, obviously we're helping out Powers because there's a lot of guys he wanted to talk to to update the database and just getting eyes on in general. Um, just kind of uh, so we could kind of pick each other's brain, pick each other's brains when it comes to rankings and uh, kind of filling out the back end of our website. And then like it just seemed like every hour there was somebody committing somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Carter, this one kind of leads into your one of your pieces you came from the weekend. If you haven't read. Um, how TCU became the hottest team on the recruiting trail mm-hmm. because Carter, we went there initially and, and Powers was like, hey, Carter, can we go talk to Nate Palmer from, from Decatur? Yep. He had just committed to TCU. And we were like, by the way, can you just also talk to Ty <laughs> Hawkins, right? It was like, well, there's something we need to talk to him. We hadn't talked to him uh, or we hadn't done really anything big since his first game. I remember when he kind of burst onto the scene last year against Judson, uh, me and Pickle were there and Step as well. And that was uh, we were there with uh, Gabe Brooks as well from Two Four Seven, which he kind of gave him a profile and kind of uh, put him on the put him on on the scene. And we were like, well, we need to talk to this kid. Sure enough, <laughs> later on in the day, <laughs> it turns out he ends up committing to TCU as well, and kind of a surprise, something that he didn't really hint towards. I didn't think he was even he deciding. Anything. He actually, when I talked to him, so we ran through like, okay, let's go Texas Tech, let's go Baylor, yeah, let's go TCU. He said the least about TCU, <laughs> which I should have, <laughs> I should have picked known. up on that. <laughs> I, but it was not on my radar whatsoever that he was committing or about to commit. I didn't see hear that from. I talked to his head coach, and like he had nothing. Like that's crazy. It was it was very. He's very. Talking, I don't know. You can probably uh, expand on that, but talking to him, he's kind of a low key kid. He, yeah. uh, he's not really like a showy type of personality to where like he would have just let that slip. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, he kept it uh, played pretty close close to the vest. But yeah. what I kind of gathered from him was Baylor was the first team that had really reached out. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech, he, it made a good impression on him. It seemed like he was really weighing his options between Baylor, Texas Tech, and TCU, but. When I talked to both him and Nate Palmer, I mean, the biggest thing about TCU was really the relationships. Like, mm-hmm. Nate Palmer uh, was talking about how he can really talk to Sonny Dykes about anything. Like, he feels comfortable calling him on the phone. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of the biggest thing that drew Palmer to him. And that was a similar sentiment I got from Hawkins, but it was more about Kendall Bryles and, and the offense that Kendall Bryles has. Now, Hawkins at San Antonio Johnson, they do a lot of RPOs. So Hawkins is a guy who really likes to have a lot of freedom as the quarterback. Like he, he is a true dual threat. Like he can tuck it and run. He is very athletic, a baseball center fielder uh, in high school. He'll be playing, playing football only in college though. Um, But he also like has an extremely strong arm. So I think he was really drawn to Kendall Browse offense. And so was Palmer because they use a lot of running backs too. Yeah. And so it kind of goes into this overall theme because I'm looking right now just on our site from, I'm looking at just from June 15th on, we've had some massive movements. We had Rice pick up one of our favorites, Drew DeVillier from, from Plano, Plano East, a former baseball commit. Has the size six five right? Has an arm, and he, we we watched him at the Grapevine's uh, SQT, and we were like, this kid probably should switch to football, mm-hmm. <laughs> or he, at least he has a chance to. Sure he enough, really switch to football. They're gonna he's gonna play baseball at Rice as well. Uh, Charles Anderson went to Texas Tech. Uh, Brian Westco, of course, went to Clemson out of state, but still, that was another big pendulum to fall. We're awaiting Aaron Hampton, right? You talked to Aaron Hampton yep. as well from Dangerfield. Um, or was another one? Uh, Beaumont United, Weston Davis went to Texas A&M. We mentioned Ty Hawkins, Draylon Miller, who we will have on Texas football today by the or uh, on on DCTF Te- yeah. um, Texan Live, or will Texan it be? Live. It'll be on Texan Live. So we'll have his commit later this week. 
He's choosing between a couple programs as well. For some reason, I don't know. I had to ask Powers. was like, has this been a thing where it's like in the summer and in particularly before the 4th of July, has there been this many mm-hmm. uh, uh, commits kind of happening at once? And Powers is like, not really. Because I asked him, like, why is it now? And he's like, it's just kind of everybody wants to do it in the summer for some reason. And I think that's really interesting because typically you see them stretch it out, right? They take their official visits and they kind of use the whole summer. And then you kind of start to see it in late July into August. And then they kind of lock it, especially if they want to get it done early. They lock it up, focus on the season, then that's it. Um, then if a flip happens, a flip happens. Um, by the way, I should also mention, I forgot about Houston. Uh, that happened when we were down there. Maurice Williams was yep. a four-star committed to LSU. He flips to Houston, a huge grab for them. They actually got uh, Latrell McCutcheon as well from USC as a transfer. So, again, just like countless. <laughs> TCU got the nation's number one kicker yesterday, too. Did they? The South Lake Carroll guy. Yeah. There you go. Uh, See, so, it's like, it's, it's weird. Something. Like, I wonder, I'm curious about your thoughts on this, like, just in general. There's no right answer here, right? There's no, like, well, here's the reason why. But I wonder if now that. I don't know. I wonder if a lot of these kids are just like wanting to lock up and just focus on their summer workouts. Cause I was talking to, uh, usually all the prospects you talk to, they know what their game, their weaknesses and strengths are, and they know what they kind of need to work at. And I wonder if it's like they can lock up their commitment. Obviously these are all verbal. So none of these are in pen or anything so they could change later, but also they can just focus on their game and what they need to kind of improve going forward. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about NIL later, but when I was talking to a lot of the recruits, this, this weekend at seven on seven kind of the sentiment I got from a lot of them was this recruiting process is really stressful Mm -hmm. on them. And, you know, it used to be one, you got a, it's a huge decision, right? To pick Mm -hmm. where you're going to for the next four years, three or four years of your life, your college decision is huge, but now you throw in NIL where they're all getting different Mm -hmm. offers thrown at them. And multiple guys I talked to were like, this recruiting process is extremely stressful. Like you're second guessing if you're going to make the right choice or them going on all the official visits. Like it feels like a weight off their shoulders that they're done with official visit season. So I think a lot of guys are eager to kind of shut it down in the early summer so they can still focus on their upcoming season. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something that I, I think makes a whole lot of sense, but also We've seen Brent Venables at Oklahoma and Dabo Sweeney at Clemson just get absolutely dunked on for their, like, no-visit rule, you know, after you commit. And I think a lot of times, like, in this day and age, especially with the moving parts around NIL, like, a commitment just isn't – you're not locked in until signing day. Mm -hmm. So it might just feel better to commit and then say, okay, let me take a deep breath. But none of these colleges are, like, stopping recruiting someone because they're committed. Yeah. So it's it's a thing where I think a lot of them are just trying to get it – get it done so they can focus on their next season, but also knowing in the back of their mind, look, I can, I can kind of pull out of this if I really need to. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, We're seeing kind of the behind the scenes battle with a lot of the, obviously we hear about a lot of these deals going around, some of the money figures going around and it's like, you think somebody's a lock somewhere and then last minute bag gets thrown. Mm -hmm. Hey, by the way here. And with the transfer portal, it's like, I can go here and get this bag real quick. And if I want to go back, Right, I can to the to mm-hmm. one other school that I maybe liked more, quote unquote. But it's like, it's 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 interesting because it's a it is kind of an un 
it, we're still in that wild west, right? And I don't want to use it as like a as a negative connotation. I like these guys are getting paid, but there are there aren't any guardrails right now. Right? No, it, it yes, we are all for athletes getting paid, but it's not like a hot take to say there are no guardrails <laughs> and this is like uncharted territory. I yeah. mean, there's been no like rules whatsoever placed on any of this NIL stuff. Mm-hmm. And we can get into that. We'll talk about that a little bit. Corey Hoke had a piece where he talked to some coaches on at least one guardrail that's attempting to be yeah. put on, which I think is a pretty interesting one. Um, but I do want to mention some of the teams that have been kind of using this summer to be pretty proactive. I mentioned TCU. Texas Tech is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and by all accounts, they're not done, <laughs> right? No. Uh, they're waiting, at least as far as a lot of outlets are concerned, potentially, potentially, I'm putting an asterisk right there, potentially the commitment of Micah Hudson, the number one wide receiver in the country, which would just put an absolute – stamp on like everything and like uh, craven used this phrase a lot uses this phrase a lot which is domino effect right Mm -hmm. micah hudson's a domino where it's like sure you can get the the will hammonds i'm a big fan of will hammond uh at and he's probably their quarterback for 24 he's awesome love him micah hudson's that guy was like i want to play with that guy Mm -hmm. right i want like if i'm if i'm a if i'm a a tackle right i want to block for the quarterback that throws to him if i'm a running back oh he's gonna free up a lot of space for me if i'm a slot receiver oh he's gonna free up a lot of space for me all of a sudden if that does happen by the way there's like two four seven on three rivals all that they are predicting this right now is this is gonna happen we'll see if it does we'll see when it does because he's of course, he's a he's fun. He on, he's very fun on, on Sunday. Tw- yeah, this right. past Sunday, and I he's, didn't yeah. see anything. Yeah, yeah and he, he, his Twitter was like deleted, and he had a new Twitter. He had like AM on his thing. A&M on it. He's a he's a very interesting. From what I know, he's a very interesting guy that likes to like have fun with it. Yeah, and so whether or not he is considering it, I don't know. Right, these guys change. Like we yeah. hear about flips all the time. Um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it that like I mentioned, getting back on it. It's a domino effect, right? It's like a program-changing type of commitment if that does end up going down. Well, I haven't seen as many like high school recruits as y'all have se- y'all have seen, but when I was at the uh, state seven on seven, like he is legit. Oh, I mean, different. Man. He is a different kind of, of beast. Like he is a true five star. Uh, everything from the route running, he runs every route on the route tree. He's got sticky hands. He can go up and moss people. I mean, he is truly like a one-man show among those uh, that Lake Belton receiving core. Mm-hmm. It, like you said, Ish, yeah, it, it's a total domino. Like he is, he is a special type of player. And honestly, if he went to Texas Tech, I think that would be a lot of fun yeah, I think to see him enjoy McGuire's offense. Oh my God, yeah, him and Z- he's going to get so many targets in that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, on the group of five level, one team I did want to hit on because they got one of my favorite players in the state uh, yesterday is North Texas. Yeah. Uh, Jacques, I believe one of the one of the first big pendulums to fall over the weekend was Jacques Spradley Demps, who was in for Baylor and I believe TCU as well. He committed to North Texas. Um, I believe he is out of, I think he's Flickerville Weiss. Yes. Um, and then, of course, Miles Coleman was the one that I was talking about. One of my favorite players in the state, uh, slot receiver from Austin Vandergriff, only 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, but... He's quick. He's so insanely <laughs> He's so fun fast. to watch. Mallory, mm-hmm. I don't, were you in the office when we were watching them play Katie? I think it was. Uh, he, was that the before state? That was the semifinal. Semifinal? Yes. 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 So. We had two touchdown passes. It was. Yeah. Ins- it was absolutely. He's, he's so, so insane. Fun. Like he I was watching. I was like, nobody so does that to Katie. No. Like no one no. does that to Katie. And I was like, I don't care if he's five six or five five. 
this kid is fast. Like speed translates, right? And it's like if you're gonna be if you're gonna be undersized, you better be fast. Guess what? He's fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mallory, what was your what was your take on on North Texas's recruiting bump they've had? No, I was really excited about Coleman. I was just gonna say that I think it's a really great pickup by North Texas and Eric Morse because obviously like Eric Morse is an air raid guy, right? Mm-hmm. He coached under Leach at Washington State. He actually played under Leach too, I think at Texas Tech, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes. So this guy is like an air raid offense guy through and through. And I know he's trying to implement that into this completely new arranged North Texas offense here, but I think it's a huge pickup. Like you said, he's a little undersized, but I still think that this is a guy that is going to make an impact in this new look North Texas offense. Yep. I believe Powers has, uh, I believe, five in-state commits right now. There's a couple, I believe, uh, one, two, three. There's a couple more. Added, or no, sorry, they're all in-state, but as far as like our top hundred, our top few mm-hmm. guys, uh, North Texas is making, making way, man. Of course, you can't forget about uh, Brandon Jones from South Oak Cliff, who was an early commit yep. um, mm-hmm. back in the – winter i think yeah uh, yeah one of one of uh, eric morris's first commits they're hitting the ground running and they really yeah, are it, it's it's kind of interesting to see because as mallory knows hasn't always been the case as far as like not only texas guys but early commits on these texas guys right yeah absolutely the puzzle piece the puzzle piece they post on twitter <laughs> it's working hey i, I like it i'm a big fan of that whenever i see eric morris tweet that i'm like all right let me go do some who'd research who'd you get who'd we get no it's unt commit or something as a unt fan it's it's really exciting to see especially because you know like we've mentioned many, many times before, we're moving into this new look conference. And, you know, the more that we can hit the ground running early on this recruiting trail and, and hit the transfer portal hard, yep. the better it'll be. Facilities uh, facilities are there. Everything's there. Oh, it's just, yeah. just about getting it's the work It's just pulling out. them to Denton. Yeah. All right. So we mentioned a little bit about why the recruiting landscape's changed a little bit. Um, because earlier this month, the IRS, everybody's favorite. Yep. <laughs> the, the IRS. Uh, <laughs> Released a memo stating that NIL collectives are not likely to qualify under 501c3 tax-exempt status, (laughs) which means if you are a rich person who thinks giving $500,000 to Texas is going to get you a nice fat tax write-off, it's not happening. Not happening. (laughs) You are just going to have to literally do that out of the goodness of your own heart. Um, Which, again, for... Probably the listeners of this show, probably not a big deal, right? Oh, yeah, uh, there goes my 50000 I was going to give to Texas State. Oh, well, you know, oh, well. Had the check written in everything. Right, had, yeah. I had it written in everything. <laughs> Guess I'll have to put that away. But as far as being a fan of some of those programs, hey, maybe if if you are a Texas fan, what that does mean is like, hey, maybe a lot of those money boosters who were like, yeah, it's easy, I can write that check off, and at the end of the year I get a nice little write-off. Maybe they're second guessing that a little bit, right? Um, Corey Hogue has a piece up now where he talks some some sources around just getting their thoughts, overall thoughts, because it's not the it's not a death knell, right? These guys, have, if you're a booster, you have money to spend, you want to see your team win, and so not getting a tax write off is not going to stop you from giving Micah Hudson. You're or already going to give that Lagway. money anyways, right? right. If, if you were going to give DJ Lagway a bag to come play for you, you're not going to be like, well, actually, not anymore. Well, I, I don't want my team to win football games team, anymore. Yeah. Um, but for these collectives where everybody – like let's say a smaller scale school, right, FCS, uh, G5, that's maybe a little bit more of a concern now because you are relying on a lot more of these collectives. Uh, for example, Sam Houston has the, the CAT fund. Um, and maybe there are people who maybe not giving 50000 but, yeah, I was giving a 1000 right? mm-hmm. I was giving 2000 right? Um, they were hoping for maybe a little bit of a tax write-off. Now, that maybe second-guesses them, 
as far as contributing to that. So the Power Five programs probably not going to affect them as much. Group of Five, FCS, that's a different story. Um, Carter, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that because that is the first like guardrail we've. Oh my! I mean, this is like literally a whole ball of yarn that yes. I have to unwind. So let's just stick with me here. Okay, so the thing I got from from Corey's article, the biggest takeaway is the IRS like this is a suggestion. Yes, yes, so yes. This is not like hard and fast rule yet. You have uh, to apply for that status, mm-hmm. correct? Okay. Now here's my problem with that. Sure. I saw Ross Dellinger piece from SI. He does great work there. The IRS has granted 501c3 status to schools mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact Texas was granted 501c3 status. So the, basically they granted it and we're like, we'll investigate later, mm-hmm. but we're granting it right now. And now they're going to come out and suggest they shouldn't be tax exempt. So theoretically now... If Congress makes a ruling in line with the IRS, IRS can you now go back and actually penalize donors and the collectives now. Right. That's kind of that's kind of strange. And yeah. um, the thing I got from from Corey is like Congress has the power to settle this with bipartisan legislation. Which all right, good luck with a quick ruling on say, that. Yeah, this is not this, this is not going to be like a hard and fast rule, and probably won't be for another year or so. I mean, here's kind of the ultimate problem i have with all of this and we talked about the lack of guardrails when we were talking about with recruits in the wild west of nil Mm -hmm. college athletes getting paid uh for their name image likeness was gaining momentum for a minimum of like five years at least since 2014 when ncaa video games stopped and and earlier than that and the ncaa kind of just had kind of buried their heads in the sand had zero plan for when nil was actually going to come to fruition. So they created this interim policy, which is basically like, all right, you can pay your athletes now. So that's great. Meanwhile, we got state legislators, legislatures in Texas and a lot of these SEC schools that have rushed to create these new laws benefiting their schools. Some collectives have 501c3. Some collectives are only for-profit. Recruits for the past two years are now choosing schools based on the amount of the money they get. Bijan Robinson is flipping from Lamborghinis on rotation. (laughs) And now the IRS comes out and gives a suggestion and NCAA President Charlie Barker tells SI, I saw in this article, well, in the context of how NIL is supposed to work, it's a service for an entity that is making a business expense. Yeah, it should be taxable. You haven't made enough rules right. for anyone to exactly. know how it's supposed to work. So yeah, how right. are we going to come out now and say, yeah, no, this is, this is how it's supposed to work? And look, let me say mm-hmm. this right off the bat. Of course, the IRS is saying these can't be tax deductible. You're not right. donating to the Red Cross. You're donating right. to the football program, the football program pro- football fund, program. so we yeah. can go get the biggest recruit. Like yeah. this is not a charitable donation. Mm-hmm. But the issue is now is everyone. You're either a 501c3, but now we're going to take that status away. And then some people were doing for profit. So if they set up for profit, they're at an advantage now, and they're so thankful they didn't do 501c3. And yeah, it's just it's, a lot. It's a it's, lot to take in, and it's so confusing. Right. It's it's it goes back into like, this is kind of unfortunately how the NCAA has operated when yeah. it comes to like, yeah, we'll just do this, and it's like, oh wait, we probably shouldn't wait, have done it exactly, it exactly like exactly. this. We probably should have. Yeah. yeah. There's no like, in an ideal world, right? They work with well, an ideal world. The NCAA is controlled by the government, and like they actually have some regulation arm instead of be acting as its own entity, but. In, in an ideal world, right, they introduce NIL along these guidelines. They, they collaborate with the IRS to say yes or no immediately, right? Yes or no tax exempt status, uh, then go forward. But like you said, they did the half. They kind of halved it where it was like, 
yeah, sure, we can, but we the, the IRS really hasn't even looked at it, really. And so yeah. it's like, then when they do, okay, actually, this isn't great. And then it's just like, again, it's like building the plane. But as then when like the IRS the looks at it, it's just a suggestion. Right. So it's like, then we got to go to the federal government <laughs> right. now and see what they're going to do. Yes, but I like, should, yes, I should clarify that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, where is it? The internal, where, where is the, are un, they're, so they're, the actual wording is they're unlikely to qualify as a 501c3, right? Which isn't saying no, but it's like, it's basically it's saying, yeah, go for it. We'll tell you later. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like, still do it, but like, right. hang on. Yeah. And so, still do it, but also if you guess wrong, we're gonna penalize right. exactly. you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, okay. Like, and so the reason why Corey's piece is worth checking out if you're interested in this um, is because he talks to a bunch of people who work in collectives or coaches who, again, that now lawyers have to get involved for these programs, right? Yeah. Because now lawyers have to go. Okay, or now programs have to go and say, okay, what's our case to make us a 501c3, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're if you're if you're uh, incarnate word, right? So who doesn't have tons of money, but has a maybe has a decent collective, and boom, let's go. Now you're incarnate word. You're like, okay, we have this collective. We can kind of give our athletes something. A lot of our donors probably could use a write-off for this. So now let's come up with a case to present it to the IRS. And so like that's just another wrench in throwing. Meanwhile, Texas A&M, all that stuff can be like. Yeah, whatever. One oil baron can give the fifty thousand every player, and that's fine. He doesn't. He doesn't need the money, so he doesn't really care about the write-off. Um, so Corey talks to those people about like, what does that mean, right? And a lot of these guys are saying, yeah, now we got to get lawyers involved. That's another hassle. Now, one of the other things that I think will probably be, especially for these smaller programs, will be one of the um, uh, one of the results. I think is they said, okay, we probably aren't going to get the $10,000 donations from the individuals as often as we wanted if this is a hurdle that we have to overcome. Maybe that means we go more to the $100 donations for more people, right? <laughs> as opposed to $1,000, maybe just 10 people give 100, right? Maybe we maybe we go that route. That way, 100 isn't going to make or break whether or not you're signing away uh, uh, your, your tax write-off or whatever. 10000 yeah, you probably want the tax write-off. $100, probably not as wedded to that. Um, one of the other ones, <laughs> another concern that an uh, interesting quote said, uh, where's, where is it from here? Um, but, but, but honestly, if there is a... If the only reason you're giving is because of a tax write-off, how badly do yeah. we want your money? How much? How much are you really about supporting the program? Um, another member. Another member of the board of a collective said, "We also we all have some skin in the game. However, I'm not one the one giving ten thousand dollars, so it's hard for me to understand." Right. Um, so yeah, it just. And this is this is the craziest thing about this is that this is the very first piece of like attempted legislation at this. This isn't even like. One, this isn't even hard legislation. This also isn't even like the third or fourth thing that they've recommended. This is the first, first. pendulum to fall mm -hmm. as far as like, oh, yeah, that's probably something we should have probably accounted for <laughs> as far as NIL goes. So I can only imagine how much more is going to come down over the over time uh, as far as the government's concerned, as far as the IRS is concerned. Because like a lot of these, I have, I have to look this up. Don't these count as like gifts? So I don't think they're taxed on the students. I don't think. I don't know. Do you right. think do you think the 18-year-old kid knows right, either? Exactly. Yeah, so it's right. like eventually is this going to be taxed income? I don't know because right now I think it counts as a gift. So like gifts aren't taxed. So like right. you could like if your parents, you know, obviously your parents gives you 20 bucks, you're not going to tax that. It's a gift from your parents. So I still think it qualifies as like a gift. So 
Okay, is that a pendulum to fall later? But then Which I'm is like, reading, that's crazy. It's like a million dollar deal turns into like actually seventy five, hundred thousand dollars. You know, like things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm talking to I'm I'm reading Corey's article too, and they're talking about like, oh, they sh- they if they're a for profit collective, then they have to give their athletes W twos. But if we give them W twos, yes. that means they're employees. And ah, we don't really want them to be employees, so we might have to give one oh nine nine Ks instead. Right. And then like, so how does this all? There is just. It's just how does this all work? And you're talking ish about yes, small schools like it's going to affect them a lot. But we're talking about SEC to the biggest, baddest conference in college football, where half the states have been creating legislation so their universities can work hand in hand yep. with the NIL collectives and give their teams an athletic advantage. Like the SI story, I keep referencing from Ross Dellinger. It's like talking about soon in Texas, Texas A&M donors will earn priority points for the school's fundraising arm for donations that eventually funnel to the athletes. So yeah. Texas is literally setting this up to incentivize donations. And now the IRS is coming. The IRS, this ruling, yeah. is literally feels like two years late. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Yeah, they've just let it go wild. And there's like, wait, we should probably check on that. You know, yeah. It's like we're on step eight and they're <laughs> on step one. Yes. <laughs> and the unfortunate part is they got to get to step eight too. So there's yeah. going to be continuing things like this. By the way, I just looked it up. They are... NIL currently is taxable, so they count it as like they count it as mo- uh, apparently into not two categories: monetary and non-cash. Non-cash counts as like freebies, like free car trips, right. things like that. Uh, obviously, monetary includes endorsements, things like that. So right now, that is tax. So they thought about that at least, which is at least smart. They don't have to like retroactively be like, "You owe us twenty thousand dollars for <laughs> yeah. this deal you signed with Lamborghini." Um, but yeah, like this is it, it's so much in the weeds, and it's a lot of confusing things, which. Again, this is us talking about this. Imagine if, like, the collectives and, like, imagine the stuff the collectives have to go through now mm-hmm. to, like, call up their lawyers and be like, hey, are we going to qualify, like, at all? Should we even bother pursuing this? Or if they just be like, you know what? We don't have the lawyers. I don't care about all the bureaucracy. I'm just not going to donate that much. And, you know, we see some of these collectives kind of lose a lot of steam, um, which impacts programs like Sam Houston and, and Texas State and all the ones that don't have the big money donors because they need these collectives to kind of compete in this new market. All right. Huh, so that's a long one. That was a long, uh, 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 very in the weeds discussion there. But it's a big pendulum to fall. Um, because we knew eventually the IRS would be getting involved, or the government in some way we knew would be getting involved once you start, once we started seeing a lot of the money, money values. aspects and stuff. Yeah, of course, they're like, going to get involved. Yeah, you can't be throwing. I was about to. You can't be throwing like 500k at like 18 year olds and be no like, well, the kind government's of not going to check anything here. It, no know? regulation or whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, that's just a kind of a quick breakdown of that. Again, go check out Corey's piece, NIL Collectives React to the IRS Memo. Um, I mentioned go check out Carter's piece as well over Ty Hawkins and uh, Nate Palmer uh, from about TCU and when you talk to them at 7 on 7. Of course, Craven's column as well, why are, more Texas, uh, why are more of Texas' top 100 recruits headed out of state than staying in right now, I believe. Almost half of our top 100 on DCTF are heading out of state, which is an interesting little development there for the class 2024. Um, and yeah, uh, what was the last one? Oh, Draylon Miller's commitment. Yes, watch that on Texan Live. We will have that five, our newest five star that me, Carter, and Powers saw at seven on seven. He is an absolute. Le- absolute dude. killer, man. Absolute killer. He's legit. He's really good. We're very excited to have him. Uh, come on uh, Texan Live and commit to, we'll see. I mean, I've heard AM, I've heard LSU, I've heard a bunch of other schools in the mix, so I'm excited to see where he goes. I hope he stays in state, obviously. would love to cover this guy, but we'll see kind of uh, where that heads to. 
Yeah, and I, real quick about yeah. that TCU piece I had. I, let me speak to the TCU fans here. Ty Hawkins and Nate Palmer were two of my favorite prospects I watched at 7-on-7. Seven seven. I mean, Ty Hawkins, he's got a different level of arm talent. Yes. And what was kind of even scarier about it was in – Seven on seven, a lot of times you see these dual threat quarterbacks and they don't look as impressive because so much of their game is based on running the football. And Ty Hawkins had like 800 yards rushing last year. He's got great speed, but he was still so impressive in, mm -hmm. in seven on seven, just making throws all over the field. Uh, Nate Palmer, I think uh, his route running was precise uh, in the tournament. And he was catching, you know, we caught a one-handed pass mm -hmm. at one point that I saw. He was running streaks down the field. And I know I saw on 247 his verified track time was like 11.28.100, which is still, like, extremely fast. Yeah. But maybe on the lower end for speedsters, I mean, he looked smooth. He looked way faster than that track time in person. So, TCU yeah. fans, you should be very excited. Yep. We're also going to have uh, Braylon Connolly. Yes. Um, at Tascacita well. quarterback corner back um commit on texan live as well nice. this week so he's got a couple of big time offers usc arkansas arizona state so should nice. be interesting to see where yeah if goes. you're if you're uh i mean powers has been killing it with these commitments oh, uh, the texan yeah. live guys as well yeah. if we gavin moritz shout out to him he actually is the one that that found this one so you're right yeah, yeah just remember that so yeah, shout out to shout out to Powers and the Texan Live guys because obviously we're up here in Dallas. So like the fact that we have and are able to put on commits from Silsby and Atascacita yeah. are due to those guys down there. So big shout out to them. Check our DCTF Twitter. Check out TexasFootball.com for any more commits. We we especially our Twitter account YouTube and our page Instagram. Too. Yes, yeah. we'll have announcements as far as who's upcoming, um, things like that. We were able to do one there on location at Seven on Seven, which is actually really cool. Um, I forgot it was North Crowley. He went to La Tech. I forgot his name. Um, I'm trying to find Mason it. Right Ferguson. Now. Yes, there you go. Uh, so that was really cool to do. Um, yeah, Powers has been killing it in this in in the recruiting side. So I wanted to give a quick shout out to him and the people at Texan Live. All right, that'll do it for us. Please subscribe on Twitter or sorry, subscribe on uh, Spotify, Apple. Listen to all the shows on the Republic of Football. Please do so. Uh, oh, I didn't do the read. Please use code promo code DCTF for home field. Uh, it is summer. These shirts are really thin, really nicely thin, very solid still, but very breathable, I should say. That's probably the better phrase to use. Breathable. Um, I am currently waiting on a nice little Lamar uh, 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 hoodie that I have. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mallory's waiting on a, a TC, she ordered a TCU shirt mm -hmm. that we're really excited to see when it gets here. So please continue to shop all over. It doesn't matter if you're a fan of the uh, teams in Texas. You can shop all over. They have tons of tons of stuff from all over the state. Retro vintage designs that are absolutely incredible. And they're continuing to do drops every single weekend. Either updates or new drops. New schools seeming to be joined every week. Uh, so yeah, please use promo code DCTF for your first time. 15% off your first time purchase. Or if you want to support your own Republic of Football show, everybody has their own respective code that gives you the same deal. I'm looking at the Texas shirts right now. They look real nice. Oh, they are. I'm telling you, man. I, home field, I, I don't think I've bought any others. Since I've started going to home field, I don't think I've bought from any other site. No, why like, would you? As far as like college gear goes. Yeah, why yeah. would you? They've yeah, got the best. So please you support them and support all of us here at the ROF. Yeah, and that'll do it for us. We've interviewed 12 of the 13 FBS head coaches. Jimbo Fisher, please give us a call and go Rutgers. Rutgers. <laughs>